Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Brad Axelrad. He's a former motocross racer and he is now an entrepreneur and he is a leveraging your fear coach. So he will teach entrepreneurs and uh, people how to face their fears and use them to conquer their life. So how are you doing today? I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So how, how did you uh, make this transition from a motocross race, a motocross racer, right? To uh, <laughs> becoming a speaker consultant and, and what, doing what you do now? Well, I think, I think it all started, you know, I can remember being a young kid and hearing a motorcycle come down the street and, and I'd run outside to watch this motorcycle ride by. And I was just so engaged and excited by the, 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 the freedom and the adventure and the courage and excitement of motorcycle, anything right. motorcycle. Right. And it, my brother was a motorcycle rider, not racer, but rider. Mm-hmm. But mom was always a no to the motorcycles until <laughs> I was about 17. And I begged and pleaded and did my best sales pitch and was knew that deep down it was my passion. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, motorcycles were, were my thing. And I, I, being a kid, I said, I'm going to be a motocross racer. If we're playing any games around, I was like, what are you doing? I'm going to be a motocross racer. And eventually I became that and became a championship winning, you know, traveling around sponsored motocross racer. And that's the number one most physically demanding sport on the planet, at least on most websites. Some other websites say it's something different. Why? But the point, yeah, it's, it's just incredibly difficult. Uh, aerobically, anaerobically, you know, skeletally, like it's, it's incredibly just pounds your body really hard. And it's really difficult and takes a lot of energy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that sort of trained me to become this, this warrior and have this warrior spirit of, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes, no matter how long it takes. uh, And no matter how hard it is, I'm committed. And entrepreneurship is very similar to that of, of, of sports at any level, especially at mm-hmm. that level of almost professional. Sure. Now, the, the reason I stopped and transitioned from motocross into something else is I thought I actually had a hernia, but oh. it turns out later I had, and they never checked my back. I had a broken vertebra in my back that was causing pain down into my groin. So I actually was riding around with a broken back for a while and then I finally stopped uh, racing and, and went full on into, into entrepreneurship. Wow. Uh, but that's sort of the long story of the transition, but we can go deeper into that. Yeah. So do you know how you hurt your back or was there an incident? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be driving, riding around with a broken back sounds, yeah. How, how does that know, even happen? Back, well, it always had back pain. Like that's just right. part of the deal when you're riding and racing motocross and skiing bumps. And I did all these extreme sports for a long time, but this one kept lingering and it was always there. And I, you know, I just would ignore it. I wouldn't go to the doctor half the time. You just keep riding. You're riding. You're so addicted to the sport. It's the most incredible flow state you can possibly get in. You're just gyroing with this, with this machine. Mm. And, uh, yeah, eventually I was like, man, something's wrong and I got to stop. And, and, uh, and then years later I had an MRI done on my low back and they said, Brad, when did you break your back? I said, I didn't, I broke my back. They said, yeah, you cracked this vertebra at some point. I went, oh, and then wow. 20, 20 years before it all made sense what was going on. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So 
When you uh, made this full transition into entrepreneurship, what was, how did you start that? How did, what was the segue? Well, I, you know, my first foray in entrepreneurship was at eight years old. My dad being a New York Bronx Jew, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shoe shining was a thing back in the Bronx in the fifties or forties or whatever. So right. he worked in, he worked in car dealerships and had me buy a shoe shine box and go out and shine shoes at car dealerships. So at eight years old, sure. I was a shoe shiner. So that's when it all started. But uh, at 19, uh, I was racing motocross full time and I had a job full time and I broke a collarbone and that sort of got me into into disability. And I was like, well, this is interesting. What is this? And then a friend said, Brad, you should probably start a business. You know, you're racing motocross. You can't work full time. That just happened. You saw what happened. And then I I became a, a wholesale retail uh, car dealer at the age of 19 because I could fix anything. Wow. So I jumped in early and this was pre-internet. We didn't have the option to be yeah. on Zoom with a podcast or being a coach or consultant of sorts. Right. So it all started to, started then. It gave me the time and freedom to, you know, to, to, to hustle in life and to, and to race dirt bikes and party or do whatever I wanted at, at a young age. Right. Wow. So and then front what were do you have a business at the time when you were motor race racing as well or so what did you transition yeah. to from there yeah, yeah. so i didn't i didn't want to yeah i didn't want to be a used car dealer the rest of my life i had this uh-huh. weird sort of you know like ooh who wants to be a used car dealer so so that lasted about 4 years and then mm-hmm. i i started a watercraft rental business Mm-hmm. And I was one of the first in the Bay Area in Northern California to rent wave runners on trailers. So I bought eight wave runners. I had a warehouse and I was out doing all the marketing things. You know, back then, again, pre-internet, it was newspapers. It was right. uh, it, it was posting and screwing signs to <laughs> poles, rent a wave runner. I had stickers on the side of cars and friends things. And, you know, and I was out. I had stickers on the side of the wave runners rent me like, I mean, I created a really good business for about four years. Mm-hmm. And then like you and I were talking about, I sold that business and moved to Southern California. And that's what started me really tapping into the personal development movement and becoming a leader in that. That was, it was Southern California that got me tuned into that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, and then how did you move into this, uh, space helping uh, entrepreneurs to face their fear and help, uh, you know, make their living? It, well, facing facing fear on the starting line every time with 39 mm-hmm. other, you know, competitors, right. extreme competitors, and half of them are absolute lunatics. To race dirt bikes, you have to be pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. and they were just freaking crazy. And so mm-hmm. was I. And <laughs> and um, so I took those skills of being able to to, to um, transform and not transmute, but, but leverage that, the biochemicals that were happening in all mm-hmm. the extreme sports and really recognize that there's value in that. There's sure. power in our fears. There's power in our shadows. But I'll say that my first experience was 2010 with Tony Robbins jumping up and down saying, yes, this is amazing. I'm like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. What is this seminar thing? Mm-hmm. And then in 2003, I went to the Hoffman Institute, the Hoffman process, which is my favorite work on the planet. Mm. And back then it was eight days of this really deep dive into all aspects of your childhood, uh, understanding, you know, where we learned and how we were programmed from mom right. or dad or surrogate parents. And this really powerful deep dive into, into pain. A lot of people say, well, how'd you get into this? And I say massive pain. 
And we all, nobody had a perfect childhood. We were all exposed to challenging situations and <laughs> wherever. And the Hoffman process really got me in touch with, with the, 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 the possibility and probability of transforming my pain into, into a useful purpose, but also just to heal. And I, and I wanted to heal so much and so badly that I just dove in after that and mm -hmm. uh, uh, started producing events. I became the Orange County graduate facilitator. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful process from there. I can share more about that, but that's where yeah. it started. Well, before that, let's talk a little bit about the Hoffman process. Is that, um, so I, I'm pretty familiar with like transformational workshops. Is it similar to like the EST type workshops or like Landmark <laughs> or what, what kind of? I'm laughing because, you know, <laughs> EST was one of the, one of the originals. A lot of it started in Northern yeah. California. That's where it all started. EST was, mm -hmm. I think, Northern yeah. California, Warner, Warner Earhart, uh, you know, which was the beginnings of Landmark, the, the Landmark, like you'd mentioned. Um, and there's a, a of course, a lot landmark of other life, yeah, landmark forum, life spring started. Yep. They, they, they all kind of spinoffs of, of that. Yeah. Um, and Bob Hoffman was, was kind of floating around in with those, with those right. folks in Northern California mm -hmm. and the Hoffman process was channeled material. He, 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 Bob was just, I mean, I'm so, just so grateful. Like I have this mm -hmm. reverence for, for, for what was created there. But essentially, it's now seven days. It's, it was eight days, fully mm -hmm. sequestered. You do about probably 30 hours of pre-work before you go into the process. Okay, so okay. It's, tell us your relationship with your mom, with your dad, with money, with sex, with drugs, with your work, with exercise. Uh, tell us about an instance that you had with your brother, with your sister, with your, mm -hmm. tell us how you're, so, so you do all this work to really get raw and vulnerable. All the things are up to the surface. Right. that are there for you, that are running your life. Right. And then when you go into this process, they are masters at moving you through. If, they, if they're if they not going to get you on Monday, they're going to get you on Tuesday. If they don't get you <laughs> yeah. Tuesday, they'll get you Wednesday. And eventually you pop open. But it's mm -hmm. really based on the, the, the core foundation of your spiritual self, your emotional self, your intellectual self, mm -hmm. and your physical self. Right. And how we're at odds with our intellectual self and our wounded emotional child are battling until we have a truce and have our wounded young emotional child grow up. And, and we get this hyperactive intellect that's trying to offset this wounded emotional child. So we study, we learn more, we get smarter. But really what we need to do is heal that wounded emotional self and integrate the four parts of your quadrinity so that you're living from your spiritual self and mm -hmm. leading from this integrated self instead of a harmed, wounded, emotional, mm -hmm. angry child or all these other mm -hmm. elements. And we all have these things we're battling, these patterns, right? Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So you, so you did this and, and then you moved into the event production space. Yeah. So, so what happened there is I was leading the Hoffman graduate gatherings in mm -hmm. Orange County. I was the Orange County graduate facilitator. And it's funny mm -hmm. that we're both from Southern California. I now live in Mexico, but um, I was living in Orange County and I was teaching the Hoffman principles for two years. And then what the bleep came out, if you've ever seen that, yep. what the bleep do we know? Great. And mm -hmm. then of course the secret came out and these mm -hmm. were philosophies and principles that I wanted to start talking about outside mm -hmm. of the Hoffman process. 
mm-hmm. because I was, you know, working with Hoffman tools. I wanted to teach the Hoffman work. So then I started producing a book study group on Ask It, it Is Given by Esther Hicks. And we were studying the secret and quantum physics and all those kind of things. And that morphed into producing a large, large scale events, produced over 150 events. Within eight weeks of starting that, we were on NBC Nightly News and PBS Television and USC News and, and Meetup Organizer of the Week worldwide out of 50,000 event groups like uh, CBC uh, News came. I just all, the, all this, these interviews happened. LA Times, Orange County Register. So my purpose was shown, but I want to back up and state that sometimes our purpose is looming in the background and we're not exactly sure what it is, what we should do. We're addicted to our current life sometimes. And it takes these defining moments in our lives that shift everything. And that was my dad dying in 2005. Mm-hmm. And that shifted everything. And self-indulgence wasn't working anymore. And I needed something deeper. Mm. So my purpose was shown when I was begging the universe to have my purpose show. Uh, I didn't want to die like my dad did with his voice still in him. And uh, that created all of this, the, the stuff, the media, the, the events, mm-hmm. the you know, prayer and asking God, the universe, the Holy Spirit, it works. Mm-hmm. And, and what did you ask? And you say, he's- please show me my purpose. I don't, I'm literally crying, wailing on the floor in my hallway in Costa Mesa, California, begging God, the universe, something, someone to have my purpose show up so that I don't die like my dad did with his voice still in him. He, he, he was tormented by his gifts, but never was able to channel them and use them in, into his, uh, his purpose in the world. And what, what would you think his purpose would have been if he had been able to use his voice? <laughs> Such a good question. Um, he was, he was an incredible, he was an incredible orator and a, and a salesperson, mm-hmm. but didn't really I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> the show, as I'm thinking it is it's like, what, what would it have been for him? Yeah. I just say, I'll say it this way. I saw him suffering at some level and I, I don't think he knew how to get himself out of that suffering for two reasons. One, he was gifted with clairsentient. He was clairsentient mm-hmm. and clairsentience is, is the, the ability to feel. And I have that too. It's, it's a form of a psychic ability. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know when someone's lying or not telling the truth, mm-hmm. or you can, you can really feel into things and know when something's going to happen. Right. It's been no, no less than 10 times in my life. I knew that a door was going to swing open towards me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Ooh, that's, it's, it's just really strong intuition at, at a sense. Sure. And I watched him have that, but he didn't know what to do with it. Mm. And then the second thing was, is really just that, you know, he was an incredibly gifted human in many other ways, but he, he would, was afraid and, mm-hmm. and he stayed in this place of fear. Right. And that's really where my face your dragon platform came from was really, you know, I was like, I'm not going to be like my parents. They were so fucking afraid. Forgive me for saying that, but they're, they lived in so much fear. Don't do this. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will not do that. I'm not going to live my life that way. And that's something that the Hoffman process actually teaches that we will either model or rebel against mm-hmm. our parents' behavior. So, so I was literally rebelling against mm-hmm. their behaviors and patterns. 
What do you feel like uh, before we get into the Dragon Method? And I, I do want to talk about the event production as well. I, I'm yeah, doing events right now, and that's a cool. very, very curious about that. Um, but what do you feel for you was a huge fear that was blocking you? It's a really good question. Like the, 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 I mean, my biggest fear, which most people have, is the fear of public speaking. Oh wow! And I was, I was, th- yeah, I was thrusted. I'd always been good at sales, but always would be nervous, but was mm-hmm. good at it. But the right. difference between speaking, like my first events were always in a circle. I'll say this. So, so having that fear of public speaking, the way that I would um, manage that mm-hmm. would, would, would make it about everybody. It wasn't about me speaking to them. It was about, Hey, we're in a conversation. Let's sit in a circle. Right. Okay. But my events got too big to be a circle anymore. Mm. So we, we, my first, the grand opening, uh, we had a hundred, almost 200 people. Okay. Uh, and Pat Finn was the host of the California lottery, big spin. He was the host of jokers wild. He's a mm-hmm. mentor and dear brother for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was my, my first speaker at the grand opening of the law of attraction center in orange County. Okay. Uh, but the point is, uh, I had it in the spiral because mm. I wanted us to all be together. And that was an interesting thing. I'd never seen anything set up in a spiral. Right. And then, and then eventually I got over my fear and then it was me speaking to hundreds of people on stage, but I would still get very scared. I mean, it's very, it's very intense. The energy, it's really being an empath and being clairsentient. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, and also really high adrenaline. I've been chasing adrenaline for so long and maybe from some childhood trauma that I would re-seek or recreate environments that would reproduce that adrenaline response. But the point is that it's still very there. Right. And in order to offset that major fear of public speaking, I would navigate by creating different uh, structures of events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Interesting. That's, that's interesting yeah. that that's a... Well, I, I, I guess we'll get to that. That's interesting that that's kind of what you went into because in many ways. Well, so that's what do. I do. I mean, I'm yeah. speaking right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, that, that's kind of interesting. So then yeah. you started uh, producing events and uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with my work, but I, we're currently doing events. We're doing something called the Cause Fest and Cause stands for Creative Artists Uniting for the Sovereignty of Everyone. Yep. So saw that. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're gearing up to do the next one. We're hoping for October 13th to the 15th in South Florida. We're still working on locking down the venue, and then we'll have uh, more details to come. But the Beautiful. first one was a massive undertaking. I mean, we had over 50 acts between speakers and uh, comedians, musicians. Wow. Uh, I'm an aerial acrobatic performer, so I did two nice. routines. Um, yeah, so it was a we had panel discussions and it, it was a it was a pretty big undertaking for a mom and pop shop. It was really just me and my uh, fiance working on it. So yeah, so that's a, I I know events are definitely not uh, for the faint of heart. <laughs> but so yeah, so it's what the, ma- one of the well, sorry, it's one of the hardest things you can do is produce an event. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. So how did it, how did you move into that? What, what made you decide and what type of events were they? Yeah. So, so it wasn't by design and that's when you know you're tapped into some sort of God force or some sort mm-hmm. of uh, essence that's moving, moving through you and moving you somewhere. Um, again, they started out as just a book study group, you know, right. 10 of us in a circle in a, in a friend's living room in Newport beach. Yeah. And, 
we just, they just, there's so many people were attracted to our energy or vibration, whatever you want to call it. Like people mm-hmm. were coming from San Diego, from LA just to come and meet with us. Right. And within eight weeks, we're, we're in this, my friend's chiropractic center, uh, slusher chiropractic at the time in Costa Mesa. And, uh, we, we outgrew that space quickly and had to find another space. So I, mm-hmm. I, it was just, it just kept growing and I didn't want to make mm-hmm. money from this. This was my contribution. I was like, <laughs> sure. You can donate money. Let's just get together. This isn't about money. And then I was like, man, I'm putting a lot of time and energy into this. And everyone's mm-hmm. telling me, Brad, you got to make money from this. I'm like, nope, this is my service. I'm in service right now. I'm still grieving my father's passing. I am fully in service, completely in service, not about money. And then eventually it, 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 it had to become about money. These events, you know, where we had to rent a big space. It cost money. So expensive. Spencer. Exactly. So we started, you know, they started out as kind of community events. It was $20 prepaid, 25 at the door, and it moved into bigger hotels. Eventually, we rented the, the Westin, the whole third floor. I think it was third floor at the Westin Long Beach. Mm. You know, we had big names like Michael Gerber and, uh, you know, from Emis and big, big players in transformation right. and business. But they, they were mostly conscious networking business events, um, transformational conscious networking events. Like, it wasn't about let me share what I do and you give me business. It was like, what are you doing? And how can I find someone in the room that might be a client of yours or a business partner? And Mm. it was cooperative and it was collaborative networking is really what it was. Right. And we eventually, we were doing that for a couple of years. And then I had joined CEO space. If you ever heard about that, it's one of the largest, oldest networking entrepreneur training and networking events on the planet. Okay. And the the founder recently died of COVID. He was a dear brother of mine, really sad. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, long story short, we partnered with CEO Space. We were the okay. law of attraction center powered by CEO Space. So we had sort of the etheric, ethereal, spiritual principles grounded with business fundamentals and tactics. And we kind of married our two communities together. And and it was, uh, it was a powerful event. We, they were three hours long. Uh, and you know, the first event, first hour was open networking and a mini expo. The second hour was structured networking mm-hmm. and the third hour was a guest speaker. And the whole okay. point is we would elevate the energy all through the evening and okay. everyone would know everybody. And to me, people come to an event for other people. They don't normally okay. come for a speaker. They kind of do, but they're really there to meet people. So we structured these events in a way that people met people. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say they're there for both, but sometimes they're there to meet totally. the speakers. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think it's a combination, but absolutely the networking. I, I know for me personally, when I go to events, it's usually to uh, network and to have the in person totally. experience. I think that totally. that's, um, especially in today's world, that, you know, always people want to meet, you know, meet people they can collaborate with and like minds, make friends, make business relationships. But uh, I think even more so in today's world where people yes. are so atomized, where so much is in the digital space, they really hunger for that in-person, uh, interpersonal connection. So I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you created this, uh, this Face Your Dragon uh, platform. And uh, I, I, I love it. You have like the different types of dragons. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that, because I think that's a, I do think people do have, uh, 
you know, it sounds very cliche, but typically their fear that blocks them from reaching their full potential. And uh, yeah, so you have an interesting way of kind of classifying those and dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So um, when, when you know, I work with people to help them craft their brand and their message and get positioned in the marketplace so they're, sure. they're attractive to their target audience. That's a lot of what I focus on. So. Right. So I had to do that for myself for a long time. For a long time, I just had bradaxelrad.com. Mm -hmm. And about eight years ago, I said, okay, it's time to really put this into a brand. Um, right. just, to, just to kind of frame the timing here, mm -hmm. uh, it was 2007 that I started producing those events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd been marketing businesses way before that, but ultimately the event production, event marketing stuff started in 2007. So all of that marketing strategy and tactics kind of led up to me becoming a consultant to teach others how to do similar things like that, build a business, create a coaching business, produce events, podcasts, whatever it is. Right. So, so what in my whole body of work, the motocross, the extreme sports, all the psychedelics I've done, the drugs, the partying, all the things that have been mind expansive and both challenging, having me have to face my fears, mm -hmm. uh, how could I culminate all that into a, into a message that was really authentic to me? And mm. I grew up with hundreds of dragons around my household my entire life. I had no idea the meaning. My mom was big into dragons and fantasy mm. books. And then I saw Avatar and How to Train Your Dragon and started studying Joseph Campbell's work more and the hero's journey. Mm. And he was the first person that I heard say, you got to face your dragon. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's really powerful. And he's right. It's, it, nothing happens until we finally really get honest with ourselves and look within. And that right. can come many different ways. It can be death. It can be injury. It can be psychedelics or uh, a challenge, a breakdown, a loss of a loved one, loss of a business, the pandemic. All these things create opportunities for us to look inside and to finally face ourselves, to find what, what's inside of there, to come back with the elixir that we can now use through our hero's journey, the arc of the hero's journey to mm -hmm. then be in service to others. Mm -hmm. So the face your dragon message, like I said, it really had to do with seeing the dragons and then watching avatar mm -hmm. and how to train your dragon. It's not about slaying your dragon. That's a different metaphor. This is about facing your dragon and having the courage to finally get real Mm. and look at what's happening within. Sure, we can point the finger at the government as well. I mean, that's important too, but what's more important is to really understand what's happening inside because we can mostly impact our inner world. It's a little mm. harder to impact the outer world. Mm. So, But what I've come up with are the five core main fears that keep people from creating the life that they want, the business mm. they want in particular. And those five core dragons or fears quickly are imposter, scarcity, value, unheard, and critics. Mm -hmm. So we all have one or all of those happening mm -hmm. when, when we're starting or running a business mm -hmm. or even a relationship or anything. So basically okay. those, those are them in a nutshell. Can you and, go, sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, we can dive into them. You bet. Yeah. I mean, basically it's just, you know, that you'll be found out as an imposter or fraud. Who am I mm -hmm. to start this business? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when I was standing on stage for with NBC Nightly News, they're filming. It's like, wow, this is intense. Who am I to be, you know, 
leading this community. I'm still mm. grieving my father's passing. I'm in the darkest, most despair of my life. And yet here I am thrusted out in front of people with my purpose being shown the same time I'm just, you know, it was really powerful to watch that I should go as they were going different directions. So imposter syndrome shows up for a lot of us. Who am I to do this? Who am I to be on this podcast right now? Who am I to be on NBC Nightly News or producing these events? It's, it's always there for, for, for most people mm-hmm. till it isn't. Mm-hmm. Anytime we start something new, we're in newness. We're instantly an imposter. It's new for us. Mm-hmm. But I want to say this bigger context or frame that's really important. Uh, your fears are your greatest strength. They're your gift. There's, there's power in them. Your shadow is this powerful energy. All the biochemicals that are happening through these fears are powerful if transformed and used for greater good. So what I like to say is that uh, you're, uh, what you're most afraid of and most resisting are the very things that will set you free. It's your moneymaker, your gift to humanity, and your purpose on the planet. So we want to find them and use them. We don't want to slay them. We don't want to get rid of our fears. We want to find, okay, great. I've got a fear of public speaking. How can I breathe into that? Fear is excitement yeah. without the, the breath. Like how do, I, how do I breathe and use my imposter syndrome to my advantage? Okay, I feel like an imposter. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> And then, so, and can you go through some of the other ones too? So there's the imposter. Yeah. A scarcity that when I put myself out there, people won't want what I'm offering. Essentially, Mm -hmm. if I start a business, they're not going to buy tickets for my event that you're producing. Mm -hmm. They're not going to, they're not going to hire me as a consultant or a coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's basically just that we have scarcity. We, we, we learn these patterns and that's where the Hoffman process really pattern traces back to yeah. where we learn the scarcity pattern, not enoughness. Like the, typically all these things are learned behaviors mm-hmm. imprinted and programmed and conditioned from our childhood experiences. Sure. So, yeah. So that's the, basically you just won't make enough money and nobody will buy from you. That's the scarcity dragon. Right. Sure. And then what? what? So you want me, yep. So yeah, value, value. Yep, let's go. So that value is the next one, basically. Mm-hmm. And what value is that you don't have the courage to charge what you know you're worth. So you mm-hmm. get scared, you lower your fees. You know, this person doesn't have money. And there's two elements to that. The other element is that I have made the mistake. We make the mistake sometimes of making an assumption that somebody doesn't have the money to afford our services, for example. And we'll say, hey, you know what, Susie? Uh, you know, why don't I give you a discount here? You know, I've done it so many times. And then, and then I find out later they have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, so again, we, we want to value ourselves, value our offerings and charge what we're worth. That's basically mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the next I, one is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. It's also, it's a, you know, very presumptive to assume that someone else, to assume what someone else's position is. Yeah. Because even somebody who may not have a lot may have, uh, they may have wanted to spend that. It may have been like a, you know, a sense of pride for them. Like they saved up to be able to do this specific thing. And you, you so don't true. know, you just don't know where someone else is coming from. So, yeah. Never make the assumption that we know is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I, so. I, I, I just, you know, like I, I feel like I'm very sensitive to that because you just don't know, even, even like in a, you know, uh, 
direct client relationships, you know, somebody may feel like this is something they want to do to do for themselves and they've saved yeah. up to be able to do this. So when you're offering to give it away or reduce it, you somehow take away their value that they put a lot of pride into uh, investing. Um, I also know like when you give something away, I remember this when I did, uh, I did research project when I was in high school on dream analysis. And uh, so I had a part of it. I did like a dream research group. So I would do a dream study basically where I would have a group and we would do dream analysis in this group. And my mentor told me she was the founder of the association for the study of dreams. And she, uh, I was certified in her method of analysis, but she told me that, it was very cool. Um, but she told me that I had to charge uh, even at $1 because otherwise people wouldn't feel invested that, you know, if, if I didn't, if I did it for free, yeah. I mean, now, now mind yeah. you, I'm in high school, you know, I'm not a licensed yeah. psychologist. I'm not a therapist. This was a research project. My school did right. public research, but I'm a high school kid. And I was a junior actually at the time. So I'm like, I'm not going to charge. This is just, you know, part of my research. Um, it's just a group. And she said, you can charge $1, but if you don't charge, what she told me is that people won't feel invested and they'll take it for granted. And she said the likelihood of them showing up, even if they show up the first time, they're not going to feel committed because they haven't put the investment in. And that was a very, it was just very interesting. And I think there's some, there's some truth in that too. Of course, not true for For everything, but yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. And what's, paradoxically true is that free is the most powerful word in the English language. So it's this weird thing of like, Mm -hmm. how do we create the value, but also, also free is such a powerful word. Like Mm -hmm. it's totally agree. I I use the word complimentary a lot, but, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of, a lot of truth in what, what your English uh, Mm -hmm. or your high school person was, was sharing there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Okay. So then it says value. Yeah. And then, yeah, imposter, scarcity, value. The next one is unheard. And basically that your tribe won't get you or understand the difference you can make for them. Mm, okay. So, you know, we all want to be heard. It's like one of the biggest sort of drivers mm. of the human experience next to belonging is to right. be heard. Like belonging right. is the biggest driver. Right. Uh, I don't want to share about that for a second. I interviewed Jim Carrey's executive director for his philanthropic uh, arm that he created. Mm. Uh, he asked Jim one time, he said, do you want, you know, do you want to be involved or not? Basically, mm-hmm. do you want armchair kind of philanthropy right. or, and, and, and if I remember right, it's been a couple of years since I interviewed him, but on my, on the Face Your Dragon podcast where I've interviewed people, but he, I said, I said, uh, what is the biggest driver of, of humans? I, what I think it is, is, uh, the fear of like, social ostracization, like being ostracized and mm-hmm. not being included. He goes, Brad, that's really close. It's actually belonging. And we all want to belong to something. And there's this driver that drives us to, to become part of whatever it is, cults or uh, movements or uh, church communities or teams or community. We, we unconsciously have this survival mechanism to belong. Yeah. And what, what I like to focus on with these dragons and other things, like what's underneath the, the, the driver of people's, what's driving a human. And being heard is a really big driver for humans. Most of the time, a lot of our behavior is, is, is just being heard. We just right. literally want to be heard. No response, no coaching, mm-hmm. no... 
so that's one element of it. But the but the bigger element here is, you know, being unheard when we create this whole message, we create, build this platform, we create the marketing funnels, the Facebook ads, the, the courses, all the things, and we put it out and, and it falls on deaf ears. Nobody, mm. nobody wants to hear us. And then, then, then that belonging kind of thing might get triggered a little bit. And right. It's all survival, primal, biochemical stuff happening, but unheard. Yeah. That's right. that one. So the last one is critics. Mm-hmm. That, if, that shows up in a couple ways, but that if you do achieve the dream, you'll be criticized or your personal life will suffer. So what that looks like is critics is social media. um, uh, I forgot what you just call those people that comment. Anyway. Trolls. um, Trolls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So there's some trolling action. Yeah. And, you know, we'll get criticized. So who, why should I even put myself out there? I feel like an imposter anyway. I'm not going to be heard. I'm not going to get enough clients, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to charge what I'm worth. And then I'll ultimately be criticized. So why should I, why would I even start the business or why, mm-hmm. why should I continue with the business? I should just put my tail between my legs and go get mm-hmm. a job. Mm-hmm. So these are all things that entrepreneurs face. I've faced all of them many times over and over and over again. Uh, but the other elements of the critics dragon is that your personal life will suffer. You'll criticize yourself. Your, your, your family will criticize you. If you do mm-hmm. become super successful and get all that you've ever wanted, you know, at some level, your family or friends are going to see you as that young motocross racer with a with a mullet that shouldn't be on NBC Nightly News or shouldn't be this transformational leader mm. uh, that I've been for a long time. You know, so I've been been a leader for a long time, and I've had to face that dragon of critics. I could frankly give a crap about what people think in that regard, but hey, many okay. of us do, and I certainly have. Sure, uh, but I've moved through that. Yeah, so that's it. Those are the five dragons. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that uh, that's really, really relevant today because I think so many people are uh, moving into the entrepreneurial space, especially uh, after, you know, COVID. I think that that's, uh, we're seeing a lot of people who've kind of moved out of their more traditional roles and uh, started new business, which is awesome. I personally think, I think that's great. I love it too. Um, what what did you notice with uh, over the past few years? What have you noticed in terms of uh, your career, working with the clients, and uh, just general observations? What have you seen in terms of changes? Uh, in terms of- well, well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I I kind of pivoted when the pandemic hit. I saw such a big opportunity to 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 play with the COVID breakdown, and I, mm-hmm. I sometimes regret doing that. I saw some of my coach friends. Uh, and transformational leader friends have the biggest years ever because everyone was so scared. They're selling all these products and courses. And But I, I met somebody, well, I'd known somebody, but I met him again in the pandemic. And he said, Brad, we're in a COVID economy. And I said, wow, that's interesting. We are. Everything's shut down. We're in a COVID economy. Like, what does that mean? Pivot fast, pivot hard. And let me back up. We were producing biohacking events. We, were, we had a biohacking franchise event company Mm-hmm. that we were selling basically franchises for people to start their own biohacking community around mm-hmm. the world. And we had sold a couple of them. And then of course COVID hit and mm-hmm. we, we were on track to sell about 10 of them. COVID hit it shut us down. Wow. And I was like, wow, well, what am I going to do? So I jumped right. into PPE. I jumped into PPE. I built a, a software platform to, to, to match brokers that had personal pr- protective equipment 
with, with buyers, so suppliers and brokers, people that were selling. And I created a marketplace for PPE. Okay. And I jumped all into that and built this platform. But the point is like many people pivoted mm-hmm. uh, like I did. Right. Semi regret regretfully. It was it was good. It was fruitful. Nothing like I thought it could be. But I saw friends making millions in PPE. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy just made half a million dollars, one million dollars on one transaction. It was huge. Wow. But it was huge money there. I know people that did fifty million in a year in PPE, just huge, huge money. Hmm. So uh, I think what really happened though is that it got people familiar with with working from home. I've been working from home for the most part you know, for 20 plus years. Right. And it got people aware that that is possible. It got people familiar with Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got people to become entrepreneurs, like you said, which to me is the biggest gift anyone could give themselves is to break themselves uh, selves free from a job mm-hmm. and, to, and to get out there to live a purposeful life that's meaningful and to not be just a cog in the wheel running and a hamster wheel for someone else, getting some, making somebody else rich instead of yourself and not having a sense of purpose, but just grinding. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that purposeless work leads to addiction and distraction. That's something I like to speak about a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think people got to face themselves in the pandemic. And I, I watched a lot of people really crumble under the, the pressure of needing to pivot. I watched them crumble uh, 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 from having to be with themselves, mm. like actually having to look at themselves and to be with themselves and to be with their family and, but more importantly, themselves. Mm. So a lot of people turned to drugs, uh, alcohol. Um, a lot of people went the other way. I went the other way. I was walking twice every day. I was like, I'm getting my immune system as high as it can possibly be. I'm going to be as healthy as I can possibly be. And I got super into health. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was the direction I went. So you could see people's inner narrative and their programming, their subconscious sure. programming during the pandemic. Sure. If they didn't love themselves, like one of my clients were teaching her about, she's teaching about self-love. So that conversation is mm-hmm. really up for me. Yeah. They didn't love themselves. The pandemic was really hard. Mm. If if they didn't, if they weren't self reliant, they mm-hmm. were they were crumbling. Mm-hmm. So it just shined the magnifying glass on where people really were. Is what I think the pandemic did. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, people found themselves with a lot more time, and they were certainly a lot more isolated. So, yeah, it would definitely make sense. So, what where what what are your what are some things you're working on right now? What are your next uh, steps? Yeah, well, I want to share something that I got pulled into that was kind of interesting. So okay. I noticed that the podcast can be somewhat about politics and I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty down the center there, but that that doesn't matter. I was actually the acting COO of the Independent National Convention. Mm-hmm. So I got pulled into at a C-level position for the Independent National Convention that happened in Austin um, of national convention in, of- in April politics, the independent political party. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was the, the, the acting COO for the independent national convention for, for a minute there. That was interesting to, to see behind the curtain of politics. And then now mind you, this is independent politics. So, you know, Tulsi Gabbard was there when she doesn't mm-hmm. seem very independent anymore, but there you know, a lot of people that have uh, kind of a lot. I watched a lot of people shift and move. I feel the like pandemic the, as well. The the term independent party like is like yeah. an oxymoron to me, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I get that. Well, it's it's a little a little independent more independent party. And, yeah, a little more free thinking instead of 
you know, old school dualistic thinking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like we can we can think for ourselves. We can take the good from all the parties, right. all of them, and and bake them together into into a movement that's sovereign. I know mm-hmm. that's something you're, you speak quite a bit about. It's 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 it's, its own thing. It's out of yeah. the system at some level, which will never happen. But it was beautiful to witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, what did you notice? I'm I'm very curious. Yeah. When I say it's kind of an oxymoron, I just mean I'm not opposed to independent. I mean, I speak a lot about the uh, the dialectic and the two party illusion. I mean, I, that's I speak a lot about. I, I have a whole you're show. Figured. Uh, with nice. uh, my two colleagues, uh, it's called the Dialectical Dissidents. So that's uh, nice. Yeah, with uh, Ryan Christian from Last American Vagabond and uh, Scott Armstrong from Rebunk News. We do a show where we've started Pirate Stream Media. So that that's like the whole premise behind that show. But I, I'm just curious, yeah, because the Independent Party kind of implies that there's now another party with another set of ideas and principles and uh, platform, <laughs> really, that they're then vying for. <laughs> Um, but yeah. I get that it's just that's how the, the system is structured. So it might just be a way of them, but I'm curious what you witness. Yeah. It, it, yeah. At the simplest level, you're plugging in, you're right. You're plugging into the system. We can't, we can't not plug into it at some point. Right, right. So, but it is creating this whole new paradigm or, but, but what was really unique and beautiful was that it was, it was taking all of the independent parties and trying to get them to work together. Mm, okay. Angela, Angela, Angela McCarter, the chair of the, um, uh, why am I forgetting? I just blanked. A Libertarian Party was mm-hmm. there. Okay? okay, we were in talks with Andrew Yang of the Forward Party. So I mean, it's like mm-hmm. bringing all these parties together okay. to yeah. find common ground, which is not left or right. It's like, okay, right. uh, what do we like from the left? What do we like from right. all these outliers? And how do mm-hmm. we actually get them to come together to find similar interests to 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 create real change? But again. Right. Uh, I just don't think it's possible. Unfortunately, it's a beautiful, beautiful goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but we're battling old, archaic, very baked in uh, system. So when you say yeah, that's, that's so you were the C- CEO of this, what, so what was your COO? I was helping C-O. operate and, and yeah, make, make sure that the event happened. And, how, how did you, know, you get, how did you get involved in that? Well, that's, a, that's a funny story. So I was at Burning Man. I was uh, formerly 10 years ago, the, uh, director of coaching and membership for a lawyer marketing company. Okay. Uh, and a friend of mine at Burning Man said, uh, Hey, Brad, uh, what's going on? And we're, we're at a Burning Man camp and we, mm-hmm. I've got her around. We're walking back to, back to her RV and, mm-hmm. and, and she's, what's up for you? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating exiting this biohacking business and having my business partner buy me out. And I'm considering leaving. So oh, that's interesting. Cool. And then we walked back to this camp and five minutes later, this guy walks up and I'd, I'd known of him. We'd never met. And she goes, Brad, you two need to meet and talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he and I sit down. Now, mind you, we're on MDMA at that point, ecstasy, which is mm-hmm. now used obviously in psychotherapeutical situations and it's going to be legal at some point. So we're on MDMA and we're, we're of course wide open, our hearts open, everything's open. And we have this two hour talk about him sharing the vision and mm-hmm. me sharing what I'm up to. And then he said, Brad, how do I get you to stop everything you're doing to join mm-hmm. me in this movement? And I said, mm-hmm. well, that's a pretty big ask. I've got 
you know, a business I'm selling, another business I'm working and my coaching and consulting business and, mm-hmm. and other people that are courting me to join their businesses. Mm-hmm. What's the offer? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a big ask. So I didn't say yes then. That's near Reno. I took a couple hour ride down to Mammoth. I spent a week in Mammoth by myself after Burning Man and uh, entertained a couple of these things and then made the decision in a hot springs looking out over the gorgeous valley that mm-hmm. I was going to step down from the biohacking event and join this movement. So that's okay. that's how that happened. Oh, okay. Interesting. I was recruited to join it. At Burning Man. <laughs> At Burning Man. <laughs> wow. That's a that that's very interesting. <laughs> Some of the most powerful people I have ever met are at Burning Man. It is the most powerful yeah. networking on the planet. Yeah. No, no nothing I'm, comes close. Yeah. yeah. Very, very familiar with I, I know lots of people who have been. I have not been, but I know a lot of people who have been. Yeah. Ha, have yeah. you gone many times? That was my third time. Okay. Yeah. So I'm getting up there. Starting to get up there. It feels like okay, I'm a little more of a veteran now, you know. Would you would you plan to go back? I do not. I just moved back to Mexico. We move into a new place here okay. tomorrow, so we're we're focused on that, and mm-hmm. then uh, also making it back. Next time we go back to the states will be for the Association of Transformational Leaders, which I'm a founding mm-hmm. member of in Southern California, mm-hmm. and that's in October. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we're, we're planning to go back for that and just get settled and work. I've been traveling around the last couple months and really excited to. To, to ground a little bit here. And, so, uh, so well, first I want to ask about the transformational leader group. So what, yeah. what is the goal of that? Well, it's mostly to get transformational leaders together to, to um, share best practices, to heal. Mm-hmm. I've been a founding member for 15 years of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just getting, you know, we've had people like Eckhart Tolle there, Michael mm-hmm. Beckwith. I mean, uh, uh, Stedman Graham was there at the last one. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, very big players in the world mm-hmm. come together uh, every six months and we, we have fun. We play, there's about a hundred people there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have speakers, lunch, dinners, we're just together. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of fun stuff, pushing, pushing us, healing us, uh, recharging us, mm-hmm. uh, networking. Okay. Yeah, it's really powerful. Very cool. And so what yeah. made you move to Mexico? <laughs> I hate the winter. And, and oh. people, people laugh when they say, you lived in Newport Beach. I mean, how hard is, how cold is that winter? And I'm like, it's too cold for me. I'm wearing freaking gloves and the hats. And yeah, so, so, you know, I'm in a short sleeve shirt, of course, shorts. And I had to put a shirt on for this. I try to never wear a shirt if possible, but I, you know, I have to wear a shirt. So <laughs> So you moved to Mexico for the weather. What what do you know for the weather? How, what yeah. And you know, I mean, and it's amazing. Here I'll show you the current place mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm in. I mean, this is partly why I moved here. I've, you know, ocean view, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's uh this would be a ten, eight thousand dollar uh place here. Right, right. And so, you know, we're moving we're moving tomorrow into one of the most exclusive places in Mexico where where some of the largest uh, it, it, titans of industry, Mexican and Latin titans of industry live like it's mm-hmm. a gated, you know, exclusive yacht golf course community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're going to be living that, that place we're moving into would probably be seven or $8,000 in California. It's nowhere near right. that here. 
Right. So the quality of life is great. Um, I like, I like learning Spanish. I speak decent Spanish. Uh, you know, my girlfriend's here and she's Mexican. So we're you know going to split time between here and California mm-hmm. and, and, and traveling. We can travel all over central and South, South America from here. And mm-hmm. yeah, so plus I need adventure. I'm just, was kind of bored of the States. Mm-hmm. Um, been there, done that. It's nice. I like a lot of things about it, but I, I needed something different. What do you notice is different in uh, the lifestyle, uh, the people, the mindset? Yeah, yeah. We have yeah like- a lot of gu- a lot of guns. I'm laughing just because the first thing that comes up, like there's so much military here now. They are not messing around. The National Guard's here. Mm. Police is more. Yeah, yeah. So there's it's it's. I think it's actually as safer safer than than many parts of the U.S. But the you know the the culture is is obviously much. Uh, it's more Catholic. I'm not. I'm not religious at all. Uh, you know, I believe in a, a sense of God or something greater than me. I have no idea what it is, but there's definitely something. But the point is like, you know, they're very religious, very family centric, um, mm-hmm. church centric, uh, much more simple, simple minded, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and there's beauty in that simplicity. Uh, mm-hmm. But also I feel that there's the possibility for expansion for a lot of them that I think is coming. The internet's here. Um, which is good. Uh, there's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful space and place to spend Mm -hmm. time. And yeah, the people are beautiful in their own way and they're very passive aggressive in their own way. They have their own cultural patterns and things. It's interesting to observe. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. Definitely. They can't be, they can't be aggressive because if they're aggressive, they'll get killed by cartel or some other thing. It's like, you, you know, you don't get sued here. Something else happens. So you, you got to be careful in that regard. So a lot of them are careful in that way, but passive aggressive in my experience, it's, it's been an interesting observation. So. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not uh, litigious, but they have a, a more, uh, practical uh, bar, bar, real bar, life kind of <laughs> ramic- <laughs> ramifications for their actions exactly right. so they're they're cautious in that regard that that's actually that's right. very interesting uh so it's, it makes just, sense. it's just old school it's just old school like you shake a hand that's your agreement you don't you know you don't keep your agreement i want to punch you in the nose like that's that's just you know that's that's what it's we a did very real 30 threat. years ago yeah yeah i think uh, we, we, we could do well to return to a little of that Perhaps. I agree. Um, I agree. I, I'm not advocating people get punched in the face or anything. No, of I'm just saying, not. but but yeah, to to bring back some of that uh, traditional yeah. uh, honoring yeah. your word would be pretty nice. Um, yeah. So because your work deals with uh, the facing the dragons and this, uh, you know, uh, we all have internal fears. I think currently, of course, you know, I think that's just a inherent plight in humanity. Uh, but I think that we have current, like, especially recently, there has been just a heightened sense of fear, mm-hmm. um, you know, pervasive throughout, uh, you know, certainly in the States. And I, I, I do think that is by design, you know, they use fear yeah. to, uh, as a control mechanism. So, what have you have you noticed that that has uh, increased and have and how people are dealing with that and uh, how that's affected uh, lifestyles, entrepreneurship? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I you're 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 so right in the sense that that 
overarching fear. And forgive me for, for looking out here. I had to apologize mm-hmm. on another podcast. I get a little enamored by the by the palm trees in the ocean. Yeah. Um, it's it's unfortunately everywhere and fortunately the same. People are finally uh, waking up to their to their own divinity, their own sovereign sovereignty, their own need to to take their own well-being into their into their own hands, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that looks like, to diversify, okay. to to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, as Don Miguel Ruiz said on guest uh, podcast number one of the Face Your Dragon podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says fear is completely normal. It's when it becomes irrational that it's the problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's useful, and it's it's crazy to watch how many people are in, are in more fear. Their nervous systems are so much more in fight or flight. It's like we used to used to have a little cushion. Now right. we're almost maxed out, and it's like people are losing their shit on the freeway or on airplanes or right. So there's this there's this low level consistent, constant fear that is definitely there. So we're, 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 we're just maxed out. Right. And it's important, important self-care is more important than ever. Uh, yeah, just, just, just creating that sense of self-reliance, like self-reliance can, can mm-hmm. ease some of that. But when it tips over into like prepping and it's like, you can see people's inner, inner world just being projected out into, into mm-hmm. how they're navigating their fears. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with being prepared, but full on prepper to me feels a little bit extreme. I'm just picking on that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's the side of me and I hope people have this, this can, can really take this in. This is so important. I found okay. having trust that no matter what is happening is absolutely perfect and surrendering to God's divine plan. Mm-hmm. Knowing that in the end, surrender, even if you were to get killed, we have an atomic b- nuclear bomb happen, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, Russia in- attacks, invades, I mean, whatever it is, like, like trusting that that's part of the process and trusting mm-hmm. that we're going to go somewhere after we die, who knows where that is, but, but trusting in something greater than us and having that faith that, um, yeah, surrender's key, just mm-hmm. freaking surrender, trust mm-hmm. and surrender. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's definitely a lot of truth in that. I think that uh, we, we're also here to do our part. So, you know, I think For that sure. there's, yeah. So you, you don't just surrender without any action. You don't just uh, trust <laughs> the plan, over. even if it's God's plan, <laughs> like you you know, you're, you're here for a purpose, right? So um, I do think there's a sense of uh, if you, you feel called to prep, I think people should prep. Um, you know, for they're sure. taking the action that they can take. Um, and when you talk about like personal sovereignty and taking uh, personal agency, uh, that's a way that people can do that. And not only for themselves, totally. but for their loved ones, right? So, for sure, you know, nobody's going to prep everything. But people have different skills. So they may prep, uh, you know, a, a farmer may have a certain crops that they prepare and that they can provide and then they can uh, trade with, uh, you know, their neighbors if need be. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. just one example. But, you know, it's a. Yeah. I, I think that that is a way that we can all be uh, resourceful and take some sort of ownership, personal ownership yeah and that will lower that will lower the the fear but again back exactly. to miguel, miguel ruiz's comment of 
fear is completely normal. It's a rational right. fear that's that's the problem. So so we need to look inside and make sure that we're what's our driver again? What's our come mm. from? Where's it coming from that's moving us into these things? And most of the time it's fear. Yeah. Um, in my experience, so people, people will call it intuition. Most of the time it's fear. Um, so yeah, I think we need to move from a place of agency and, and mm -hmm. intelligence, but also look inside and face our dragon of, well, wow, is this, is this a rational fear or is this, mm -hmm. Is this, you know, is it, is it a real threat or is it all made up threat, you know? Right. Sure. From propaganda, yeah. from propaganda or from your neighbor that's crazy and, you know, who knows? Right, right. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of both. So, yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely worth the assessing for sure. Agreed. Yeah. So what's, what's next on the horizon for yeah, you? Yeah, so what's next? Yeah, great. I didn't really answer that. So, so uh after exiting the independent national convention, I've, I've jumped back into the Face Your Dragon platform, which is really focusing messengers to find their core message and, and, and put the mechanisms in place to share it and make money sharing it. So whether that's creating a podcast, uh, writing a book, uh, uh, building a website, a marketing funnel, how to generate, you know, how to structure the business and then generate the traffic to expand the business. That's, mm. that's what I focus on. And so that's called courage in the client. So uh, I've got a quiz at courage quiz. I'm all about courage. Everything is courage. That's, that's mm -hmm. where it's at. If we don't have what courage, courage we've got what does courage mean to you? Yeah, it's a great question. It really means facing, it, it means feeling the fear and doing it anyway. It means, it means assessing mm -hmm. the situation having the, 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 the bravery, which is another mm -hmm. word for courage, like to look inside and say, what is it that's really driving me? What's, mm -hmm. what am I afraid of? Can I use this to my advantage? And will it serve others if I have, if I can face my dragon enough to, to use it as part of my mission? Right. So I help messengers with a mission, mission craft their message mm -hmm. and make money sharing it. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, so the making money part, how do you feel that that, uh, what are your thoughts about that in this current milieu? I, I feel like, you know, finances yeah. have shifted a little bit, right? hundred percent. So, yeah. Yeah. So again, back to the dragons, you know, are we, mm -hmm. under, are we charging what we're worth? You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, are we, are we living in scarcity? So, so check in with those as you're building a business, but truthfully, uh, it has shifted a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, people I think are, have far less discretionary income. They don't have the ATM, the HELOC ATM or the cash out refis anymore to tap into the government money slowed down and stopped where we're now, we now need to be much more self-reliant than we were in the pandemic, which was kind of paradoxical. Again, it's like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. we're all shut down. We're not, but there was money flowing. A lot of people had money. Uh, you know, we had a good run for a while, eight, seven, eight, 10 years, people were, were, you know, equity, they were equity rich, especially in the pandemic. Mm. Things have changed, you know, uh, auto value prices went up, rents went up. Everything is, everything's changing. Interest mm -hmm. rates have shot up. Um, uh, debts shot up. Um, credit card debt. It's, 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 you know, it's going to, I think it's going to get really ugly soon. They, they, you know, banks are going to keep going out. We're hearing, I'm hearing, I, we, hearing murmurs of big banks, bigger banks, maybe uh, going to shut down soon too. So, so another reason I moved to Mexico, just in case, not as a prepper, but as a potential 
hey, could I live at another place? I've lived in Costa Rica. I've lived in Mexico in the pandemic. This is my second mm-hmm. time living here. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at other places outside of the U.S. to to be a digital nomad and to to understand another language if I need if I did need to flee the U.S. You know, right. not out of fear, but out of preparation, like we we're talking about. So, um, and it's awesome. But yeah, I think yeah. the market's the market's going to get really bad soon. I think I thought it was going to happen six to twelve months ago, but I think it's just a little delayed. Yeah. So that's what I think. So happening. what will that for mean for people, for entrepreneurs, for people uh, who you know don't make necessarily a fixed kind of income, uh, whether that be uh, you know from a uh, corporation or yeah. a, you know government job, like people who are entrepreneurs essentially that's a it's a pretty precarious you don't have a a guaranteed paycheck each uh, month or week or however so the question was what what does it mean for them is that what you said yeah really what how do you think things are going to change for them what what uh what is it going to look like ahead what can they do maybe to adapt in this type of a climate what are some Mm. strategies suggestions or yeah Mm. what do you see well, I think I think sort of emotionally checking in with attachments to 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 the days of old and and being willing to pivot and change and mm-hmm. diversify and and try different verticals, different different business models, mm-hmm. different marketing uh, uh, strategies and tactics. Uh, obviously, AI is very strong. I I watch a lot of my thought leader friends jump into crypto, and then it was NFT, and now they're all into AI. It's like like I, I'm a little triggered by that. It's like Stay, stay core to, to who you really are and leverage the tools that are available, of course, but there's all these AI experts now and like, yeah, you're not an expert in AI, although there are many at this point, but four months ago, not really, you know, two months ago, not really. So anyway, um, you know, move with the trends uh, is important. You know, understanding AI is important. I use AI. I, I, I have a weekly mastermind with a, with a friend that we discuss AI. He's a, big, big into it. And I'm learning as much as I can. Um, and, you know, obviously cutting overhead, I think is important. That was one of the tactics here. It's like try to make more money with diversification, mm-hmm. try to pay everything down as best you can, uh, you know, move debt around, try to get low interest credit cards or 0% interest, like things like that, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately um, looking at other revenue sources, right. um, trying things you're afraid of doing, whether it's public speaking or event production. A lot of my clients, I tell them to start producing monthly events because I had such great success with that. I think it's a really good tactic. Absolutely. Build community. Expense. Uh, sorry. Uh, events are super, super expensive. So I, I'm surprised you would suggest that for the, well, as large a financial. Scale events are. Yeah. Large scale events yeah. are. I'm talking, I'm talking a small, no oh, microphone, okay. no audio, maybe a gotcha. screen and a projector, but a very simple, uh, low key event. Like intimate you know, you to, type. Yeah. Yeah. Intimate 30 yeah, to 50 yeah, people sure. build community, yeah. build your network, uh, be in service more than anything. And we haven't really discussed that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are focused on what they can get from somebody, mm-hmm. But what really works in networking and in business, in my experience, mm-hmm. is being a connector and focusing on what I can give and who I, mm-hmm. who I can connect them to. So, so be in service, first and mm-hmm. foremost. Make sure you're serving mm-hmm. and providing value to people. That's really the, the, the big shift at this point. We need to go above and beyond. 
Mm-hmm. Most of the time I work with my clients in three different ways. It's either I do it for them, I do it with them, or I teach them how. Mm-hmm. And I'm even on my even on the teach you how people, I'm rolling my sleeves up and working with them now. So I've shifted my model a little bit where I'm I'm not changing the pricing. I'm just adding more value. I think yeah. people need more support right now. They need a little bit extra. Yeah. So I'm 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 giving giving that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Intimate event. I think they're really needed. I mean, I. You exactly. know, the Yeah. We're doing our our bigger scale. They're definitely not a. They're, they're really expensive. <laughs> um. But I think it's super super important. People need to be face to face in person right now. Agreed. Which, um, so yeah, I want to. I'm curious. You brought up AI in uh, several <laughs> regards. So I'm, I'm curious your yeah. thoughts on AI. You seem a little hesitant. You've got some concern. Um, but of course, but you said you also think that it's important to utilize the tool. So well, what are your thoughts on AI and the future, and how does that affect uh, entrepreneurships and thought leaders? And yeah, yeah. What are what are the benefits? So, so, what are the concerns? <laughs> a great question. So I mean, I, obviously, there's there's um, opportunity in it, both in creating business that's about AI, you know, mm-hmm. and picks and shovels versus using the AI in your business. I think it's sure. a, a necessary skill to learn. Sure. Uh, I think it's really, really important that we all have the basic understanding of what's happening and what's possible. I mean, I used probably six different AI tools and oh, wow. uh, different types of uh, social media or content mm-hmm. creation, but in particular, like Content creation is great. Like I'm working with clients now and having them, you know, we'll come up with their core message and uh, put, put, put some of that core message into AI and say, hey, write a blog post about this pain point or whatever it is. And then we're, we're sort of creating email copy using AI and having mm-hmm. it, you know, could you write this, these quiz results better, you know, or anything. Mm-hmm. So, so there's great power in using it. Right. Uh, a lot of people think it might take over. And I, I mean, I guess it could at some point. There's definitely that if you saw Terminator 3, I think it was, where AI basically took over. Uh, what was it? Uh, not Hellnet. What's it called? Uh, something net. Uh, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cybernet. Kind of like Cybernet. Skynet. You know. Skynet. Skynet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wasn't it, yeah. Was it Skynet? Or it, what no, it, I'm saying it's what, like Skynet. Yeah, Skynet is 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 Elon Musk thing. Yeah, the, the, the satellites, right, right. I don't know what um, that one was called, but it's kind of to me, it's like Skynet. Yeah, yeah, it just takes over. Yeah. So no, again, I think study it, learn it. I think I think it's gonna it will remove some people's positions. I think copywriters are gonna become a little less needed because we can use we can use AI driven copy. Um, but I have my friend; he's writing code with it. He's creating graphics. I mean, we're using it for some graphical stuff, but I watched him, the guy that I'm meeting weekly, build an entire website, all the code. Now he's using, he's, he's brilliant and teaches people at really high level how to create this. So he's plugging in using AI to build out elements of the website. Um, so if you're not that technically savvy, it might be a little over, over your head, but using it for copy yeah. and for graphics, just at the simplest level is uh, and I'll use it for synonyms. Like, what's another word for acknowledgement? Mm-hmm. What's another word for intuition? Like, I'm able to use it for things like that when I used to have to dig through the internet or use other web web tools. So it's it's really useful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, definitely. There's a absolutely the tool itself is I I think neutral. You know, it's a what's behind it, what's the intention, and whose hands is it in? <laughs> so that's right. That's yeah, right. The, the, those yep. are the questions, at least in my opinion. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Do you have anything else that you want to uh, share with us? Yeah, well, I just again, I think I think we need to be courageous right now. We need to we need to look within, and and again, looking without is important. We want to know what's happening around us. We want to have mm-hmm. you know awareness of what's going on in the world and where we need to move. Sure, you know, physically or metaphorically, what moves we need to make. Yeah. Um, but I I think at this stage we're we're through the sort of shock of and the trauma of the pandemic, even though it's still in our nervous systems at some level, definitely people still are a little more activated negatively, like it's still very present. But I think we're on the other side of it. And now mm-hmm. now it's time to take our power back. We've got to get back in massive action, intentional aligned action. And it's up to us to be courageous to look within. And it's it, it's our time again. You know, we were, we were mm-hmm. locked, locked in before. We had no choice. Now we're, we have no excuse. We need to get in massive action and make it happen. So what part you, of that can be, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, what were you going to say? Part, of that, say, part be, of that can be done. I've, I've got a quiz at couragequiz.com that helps uh-huh. you discover the number one, the number one hidden fear stopping you from earning what you're worth. It's a pretty cool quiz if you want to go check that out. And then, of course, faceyourdragon.com, which is a great place that I've interviewed incredible celebrity thought leaders, uh, Gay Hendricks the big, from The Big Leap, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Christine Carlson. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz of the Four Agreements, my friend that produced What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. He's a mm-hmm. Hollywood producer. He's on there, Barnett Bain. It's really great conversations. This is pre-pandemic, a lot of these interviews. Sure. But helping you understand how fear is really keeping you stuck from taking the action you should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, fear is definitely a tool that's uh, been used just to control and program. So also that, true. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was going to ask you is because uh, you you referenced the pandemic and how we were uh, locked in, in in many ways, literally. Uh, many people were, especially here in California. So I know what that was like. Um, but now it's our time to break free. There has been talks of, uh, and you, I, I don't even think there needs to be, you know, talks of. We just look through history. They tend to use. Uh, traumatic events as a form of uh, control mm-hmm. mechanism. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about uh, the next time there there's some sort of an event and they try to use fear, <laughs> fear porn? Uh, do you think that people have learned? Do you think that people who are using these tools to uh, face, you know, the, the demons or the dragons, as you put them, uh, within will be better equipped to... Uh, not to be controlled the next time. What are your thoughts? That's a fascinating conversation. I mean, it could go one of both ways, you know, which, which you're well aware of either it, it programmed everybody to, to follow along. Well, right. Which I, yeah. Or, or they're going to say, no way you're not doing that to me again. We see your game. So it's, it's, Mm -hmm. and you can see that divide even politically between Mm -hmm. the, the the two sort of uh, paradigms of thinking there. Um, but I, geez, I didn't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I, I waited it out. I had COVID very early on in Thailand, New Year's, before it was a thing. I got it straight from Wuhan in Bangkok, China in January. 
Um, and was extremely sick in Thailand. And then, of course, uh, months later, it, you know, it came out that that was the virus and I had it. And it was really bad. But I, I figured I have immunity. I'm okay. And then, of course, the immunity only lasted a couple months. And then I got it again. And I kept getting it. I, I, but because I was moving around a lot. I was traveling a lot with sure. Rica and Mexico. And so I'm not sure to answer that. I think... Um, uh, <laughs> It's it's so hard to say. It's it's sad that we're in this state, uh, this place, and I, I I pray that we continue on the path of of our own agency and sovereignty, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of all we can do. I think the short answer is we can't rely on anyone else or the government. You know, that's mm-hmm. this is sort of the libertarian in me. That's you know, mm-hmm. I'm a registered independent, but that libertarian thinking is definitely there for me. I sure. take bits and pieces from all all thinking and and try to stay out of one frame of thinking there's great sure. benefit in all of them all of them so yeah staying open sovereign uh and in action around making sure we're okay and others are okay i think it's not so much just about me 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 it's like how can i make sure we're okay and other people too how do we work mm-hmm. together just collaboratively to make sure we're all okay that's what i think yeah yeah absolutely well especially you know those you you are in direct contact with for sure. Exactly. Exactly. You know, take care of your loved ones. Take care of yourself. Yes. Take care of your loved ones yes. in whatever yes. way possible. Yeah. Neighbors. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. tell everybody where they can find your your work and where they can uh, go to your <laughs> events and uh, how they can yeah. Yeah, give them a website for the, to find their dragons, all that good stuff. Yeah, I kind of already shared it, but faceyourdragon.com yeah. has all of that. And then uh, there's you can take the quiz on that webpage as well. But but Courage yeah. Quiz goes directly to the quiz to discover the number one hidden fear stopping you from earning what you're worth. It really is a hidden fear. We don't know what it is. Uh, and it's good to find out what that might be that's keeping you stuck right. uh, so that you can make some changes. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I'll post the link to all of that and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Courtney, thank thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor and a blessing. I'm really grateful to share with you and your audience here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for all you're doing. Likewise. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.